Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Therefore, if anyone is a Messiah, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 Springtime is here. As we say goodbye to the last lingering days of winter and experience the change that comes with a new season, we are reminded that God makes all things new. He breathes life into that which is dead and causes the former things to pass away. The same God who transforms a caterpillar into a butterfly and changes the sky from dusk to dawn also transforms the lives of those who have put their faith in Yeshua. Today, we bring you three powerful stories from Jewish believers who have experienced this transformation. The first is Grant Berry. Grant spent his life pursuing what he thought was important, wealth and success. But one day, a Christian woman who started working for him provoked his desire for God. Take a listen. I came to America to chase the American dream, and it wasn't long before I started my own cosmetic business with my brother. And through a lot of hard work and effort, we brought some very new and innovative products into the cosmetic industry in the mass market. And it wasn't long before I began to experience the the pleasures and the success of that. I was driving around town in a red Maserati. And I had model girlfriends, um, and I was really sort of chasing that, that life, but it was really uh, a God that I was after. As a child, I was always looking to know God, and I was searching for Him all throughout my childhood, and, and I have to be honest, I couldn't find Him in the synagogue experience. I found it religious, uh, the women were concerned about what they looked like and what they were wearing. Uh, there was a lot of materialism going on. I was actually looking for a spiritual connection. So I was beginning to experience the high life beautiful restaurants, a single lifestyle, money in my pocket, uh, driving a red Maserati, and in comes this beautiful girl, named Maria. 
makeup artist I started to work with. And it's like I had it all, but something wasn't quite right. And the interesting thing was is that Maria was, there was something different about her. She just didn't seem to be too interested in, in everything that I was sort of living up at that particular time. And she started to explain her faith to me as a Christian girl. She presented her faith to me in a, in a way that I could understand that uh, belief in Yeshua was, was, uh, had a Jewish foundation. And it was so different from, from like my synagogue experience. You know, here I was looking for God, looking for a relationship, and she seemed to have this dimension and this intimacy and this connection. And here I was, the child of Abraham, the Jewish guy, and I seemed to have nothing. It was almost like I was uh, Jekyll and a Hyde, two types of personalities, like this young, successful entrepreneur during the day and at night. I was empty and a depression was setting in that I couldn't contain, but I wouldn't let anyone see me. It was almost like in the world we, we have a facade that everything's wonderful and okay, and yet inwardly it's, it's not like that. There was a, a depression and, and, and emotional chains that I was beginning to get in touch with, and definitely something was wrong. I think what was really different about Maria is that she had learned to bring the message of Yeshua back to Jewish people as if it was their very own. We reviewed a lot of the, in some of our discussions, we, we talked about all the terrible things that had happened to the Jewish people in the name of Christianity and how Christianity has been used. And she worked very hard in her communication to separate that stuff, mainly most of the same time saying that most of those people really weren't believers in the first place. And she began to, so she began to lay this foundation for me that the roots of Christianity were completely Jewish. And of course, you know, when I began to open the scripture and read for myself, I was overwhelmed. I was so surprised, okay, that I was actually reading a Jewish book. So I have to, I have to tell you after you know, experiencing this dimension that I knew Maria was experiencing between her and God, it began to really get my attention. And so it caused me to begin to go after, once again, a relationship with my own God. And so I went into my bedroom for three weeks, seven days a week, every night. I got on my knees and I prayed. I tried to talk to God. And it was like my prayers went up to the ceiling and dropped right down to the floor. There was nothing, no connection. And I was frustrated. I mean, here Maria was, this Christian girl that had a relationship with my God, the God of Abraham. And here I was, a Jew, trying to have a relationship with my God, the God of Abraham, and nothing. I was disconnected. And so it caused me to get very frustrated. And one night we're out for dinner and I expressed that frustration. And she turned around to me, she said, Grant, I have been trying to tell you for six to eight months, almost every time we go out, you can't have the father without the son. So immediately I decided I've got to go upstairs. I go upstairs to my apartment and um, was not difficult for me with all my spiritual experiences to, to visualize this whole thing. And um, I laid on the bed 
and I stretched out my arm in the shape of a, the crucifixion tree and I shut my eyes and Maria had told me about a scripture, Revelations 3.20, I'll never forget it. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and he will hear my voice and we will suck together. In other words, we will connect and have intimacy. So I closed my eyes and I visualized the door and I knocked on the door and I said, God of Abraham, if Yeshua is, this is the exact prayer I prayed, if Yeshua is your son and the Jewish Messiah, I want to know the truth. Right at that moment, at that very second, a physical wind indwelt my stomach. I could, I could almost see it swooshing into me. And I was, got up uh, from the bed, I was startled. But from that moment on, I believed. Grant's earnest seeking led him to find his Messiah, and afterward, he was never the same again. Like Grant, Elaine Kaplan could never find fulfillment with the material things of this world. Having grown up in a broken home, she was devastated to find her own marriage falling apart. But God met her at her lowest moment. My parents were not happily married. When I was about five years old, I would talk to God and I would say, Dear God, I think you've made a mistake. I'm not supposed to be with this family. And I would talk like that practically every night because of my unhappiness. My father backed horses during the day and greyhounds during the night. He was very unfaithful to my mother. He had several affairs growing up. It wasn't a happy place. Well, as time went by, I met the man that I was going to marry. He actually managed a young man called Jack Wilde. Soon after that, he was introduced to a band called Yes. They went on the road with the first concerts in America. But as the tour went on, Yes's album started to climb and climb and climb and do so well. The joy of it was short-lived because I had to live my life myself. All this time, I was alone in London and they were away for six weeks. We lived in one house and then we'd moved to another and as things became more successful, I was always alone. No matter how many clothes I bought, no matter how many houses we had, my life was empty. It's like I had a hole inside me. Just sitting at home waiting for Brian to come home from the tours was very difficult. And then when he came home, it was like a stranger and he wasn't a good communicator. I had no idea at the time, or maybe I did, but I was in denial and I didn't want to look at things as they were, that he was actually having affairs. 
So I was searching and searching and searching and a friend in LA sent me a letter. The only words I ever remembered were, Donna Summer got born again. And I thought, that sounds good, what does that mean? I didn't really know who God was. I mean, being Jewish, you know, he was Adonai, Elohim. But on this day, I was talking to God and I said to him, born again, that sounds good to me. How do you get born again? How can I make restitution for everything wrong that I have done in my life? At this point in time, I went with Brian into Beverly Hills and he dropped me at my friend Frankie's house. And we went to this place called Carlos and Charlie's on Sunset. And then this woman arrived and she sat opposite me at the table. Her name is Susan Mineo and she managed Donna Summer. And I could not stop staring at her. So I said to her, Susan, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. I said, are you born again? She said, yes. And I looked at her and I said, you have something that I want and I know that I can't buy it with money. I wanted the peace that I saw in Susan Mineo's eyes. I had been searching for that peace my whole life, through my unhappy childhood, through my time of smoking dope, snorting coke, taking sleeping pills, drinking. And so at the table, they held my hands and I prayed. I accepted Yeshua. That's just the beginning. When Brian found out that I had received the Lord, he went crazy. What are you doing? You're Jewish. This is all anti-Semitism, blah, 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 blah. I never really talked to Brian about what was in the Bible. I wasn't one of those people that hit him over the head with the Bible and all that stuff. I just quietly prayed. And I lived, I lived what I, I had been reading. But eventually, he left. I stayed in that marriage for three years. I decided that I would get a divorce. If you read Isaiah 53, it tells you that he was pierced for our transgressions. All our iniquities were put on him. And those stripes that were on his back are the very things that heal us. Because I was so lost in my heart, I know this to be true. So I would say to people that say to me, you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. I would say, I'm Jewish and I do believe in Jesus. Elaine found a peace and confidence she had never had before. Now, being secure in her faith as a Jewish believer, she is not ashamed of the gospel of Yeshua. Ken Barron is another bold believer in Yeshua. He now serves as the executive vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. But this is definitely not who Ken was before. 
With a history of drug addiction and family estrangement, you will not believe how God miraculously turned his life around. How did a Jewish kid from New York City wind up as an executive vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? I remember coming home from school and these Catholic kids would chase me and then they started to throw rocks at me. You killed Christ. I don't even know who Christ is. I didn't kill anybody. The first time I had heroin, it was in the, in the bathroom, men's bathroom at Grand Central Station in New York City. What a horrible, degenerative kind of thing. How did a nice Jewish boy like me get into a place like this? And that led to a string of drug use and eventually got to where my parents disowned me. I was kicked out. My father said, I never want to see you again as long as I live. Now, I had been a heroin addict for seven years. And then some people from a drug program came and recruited me to go into this three-year residential treatment program. God was my imaginary friend. I said, please, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll never use drugs again. I wound up being president of this drug program. The President of the United States comes to visit that program. Ronald Reagan shows up at the front door of this building, and I'm hosting him. I sit there for two hours talking to the President, telling him about this story and what happened to me. And then he spoke to the residents. He asked me first, he said, is it okay if I tell the residents of the program that your body is the temple of your spirit? I said, you can tell them whatever you want. You're the President of the United States. The Chief of Staff, Jim Baker, he said, we saw what you did with drug addicts. We'd like you to join the campaign because just think what you could do with Republicans. I'm in Washington. I'm, here's my title, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Public Affairs slash Public Liaison for the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Huge title. I don't even know how you fit it on a business card. It was like a miracle. I mean, things kept falling into place. Going to England, being the guest of the royal family, private visits with the Pope, the Dalai Lama. And I wound up becoming president of Ronald McDonald House Charities worldwide. When I started there, we had $300,000. When I left in 2007, we had $1.6 billion. I was doing well but my heart was all messed up. I was like searching, how am I gonna ever get happy? You can pay me all the money in the world, give me nice cars, a nice house. All the success that I was having didn't fill this emptiness in me. If I could just find this answer, that this pain would go away. This auto race came up. It was a, a one lap of America. A Car and Driver magazine sponsored this, and we would get pledges for miles driven. And, and we arranged for people to drive fancy cars, fast cars. I had met a gentleman who owned a, one McDonald's restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. His name was Paul Saber. I arranged for him and his friend to come up from Albuquerque and drive a Ferrari. 
And it was all logoed up. It looked like one of those NASCAR cars with all kinds of logos on it and had Ronald McDonald House charities on it. I'm driving and he says, Ken, go faster, go faster. We're on a two-lane highway. He says, go faster. I said, Paul, you don't act like you're afraid to die. He says, I'm not, because I know where I'm going. I said, what does that mean? And he says, now let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Then he starts to talk to me about his religion. He said, you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life. And I screeched on the brakes and pulled over the side and said, look, I'm a Jew. He said, no, you would be a completed Jew. I said, what does that mean? He said, that means that you've accepted Jesus as your savior, that you've accepted that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. Well, that was a big philosophical conversation. I knew as a Jew that we weren't supposed to read the New Testament. It was taboo. When I opened it up, I saw that it was just an extension of the Old Testament. It, it completed the story for me. If that's gonna fill up this emptiness, then how do we do it? I mean, do I need to go to a synagogue? Do I need to like step on a glass and, or, or build a chuppah or something? He said, no, just pray with me. God, forgive me for my sins. I accept Jesus as my savior. I repent for all the things I've done wrong. And I ask you to come into my heart and into my soul, clean this stuff out and make me new again. And I started sobbing and the tears were coming out of me and it was like a fog came over me. I couldn't stop sobbing. But I felt like this whole weight had been lifted off my shoulders, that I had been freed, this emptiness was full. I, it was a physical reality. I said, you know, I've heard this word born again Christian a whole lot of times. I never ever would have believed that I would be one of them. But I know after that night what it's like to be born again. So I called up my father and I figured I'm getting disowned again. But I might as well tell him because I was so excited about it and I said, Dad, he said, Kenny, how are you? What's going on? I said, I want to tell you something that happened last night. He said, what is it? I said, last night I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Didn't say a word. He started to cry. He started sobbing. My mother gets on the other phone. What did you say to your father to get him so upset? You know he's not well. He's 85 years old. He's in a wheelchair, blah, 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 blah. Typical Jewish mother. So I told her. It was dead silence. Dead silence. I figured I better hang up now so I don't have to hear about it. And she came back into the conversation and said, he's not crying tears of sadness. He's crying tears of joy because when we were looking for help for you with your drug problem, we found Jesus too. How did I get from here to there? It's all about Jesus.
Ken's testimony reminds us that when we surrender to God, he can rewrite any story. An unlikely believer in Jesus, Ken is now faithfully helping to share the word with all the nations. We hope these testimonies remind you that there is no person or circumstance too difficult for God to restore. He is always reaching out, pursuing, and waiting. And in his perfect time, he will make all things new. This year, as we wait on the Lord for a new season to begin, let us persist in hope and steadfast endurance. Because he has given us a new heart and spirit through Messiah, we can now walk in hope and freedom as we wait until the Messiah comes again. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Our Hope. This episode was brought to you by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Abe Vasquez, Grace Swee, Kyron Bautista, and ifoundshalom.com in partnership with One for Israel. I'm Nicole Vaca. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.